Welcome to Weekly Homilies. Each week we present a homily by Father Mark Suslanko, pastor of the community of Saints Isidore and Maria in beautiful Glastonbury, Connecticut. These are introduced by myself, Jonathan Sozek, director of our community's Faith Formation Office. For more about Father Mark and the life of our community, please head over to isadoreandmaria.org. Today, we present Season 2, Episode 8 of this podcast. We'll hear Father Mark's homily from February 10th, 2019, the fifth Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C. The Gospel for this week is Luke, Chapter 5, Verses 1 through 11. Let's listen now to that reading, then hear Father Mark's response. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats, so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him, and likewise James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Every human being must at one time or another wrestle with the question of what it means to be a human being. That particular question then leads us to other questions. The meaning of life, my role and purpose in the greater order of things. Is there something more to me than just what I experience and feel? We often do not spend enough time pondering these greater questions and get distracted by some of the incidentals that life places before us. But if we begin to listen deeply within and to listen to what our hearts and our souls are saying, we do long for a greater connection with something other than ourselves. We find ourselves captivated by the thought of a greater purpose, a greater direction, something more to be accomplished. There is a longing in every human heart that reaches out, that cries out for that connection 
and for that sense of value and meaning. As we begin to listen more carefully to what is stirring within, and as we listen to what our faith tradition begins to tell us, and that what we hear through the sacred word of God, we begin to see that life is not just an accidental occurrence, but that we are here because of the intentional love of a creator who placed us here. It allows the human heart and soul to leap for joy, knowing that there is purpose to one's life, that there is an intent of design, that I'm not just random accident. As we begin to listen to that voice within and follow that voice of God, we can almost hear him say, follow me. That if you want to know who you are as an individual, follow me. Jesus went so far to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to do this is through me. And so Jesus unlocks the mystery of human life and plugs in the divine connection in a way that we cannot find anywhere else. And it's more than just ideas, thoughts, doctrines, and teachings. It's about a personal encounter with Christ and a Christ moment that then claims our hearts. Look at those early disciples. They associated with Jesus. But it wasn't until the message and the person of Christ became real for them that they were able to say yes when he asked them to follow. And when that happened, those early disciples didn't just take on a new sense of knowledge. They took on a transformed heart. They were changed, transformed, and made into the very image of Christ himself. Isn't that point? That's the part of our spiritual life, to be transformed into the image of Christ, St. Paul tells us. And so they could no longer separate themselves from who they became. And they went out into the world, and they preached the good news. They didn't hang the gospel on the clothes rack in their house and pick it up only when they came home and discussed it just with family and friends or when it was convenient or popular. Their transformed lives went into a world into a social and political system that operated in a much different fashion, into a system that didn't want to hear the truth as God designed it. That's why they were persecuted. That's why it was such a difficult job to preach the gospel, to bring Christ to others. And that's why so many of them suffered a martyr's death. 
They didn't leave the gospel in their houses of worship. It came with them always and everywhere. You and I, as contemporary followers of Jesus Christ, are also invited to be transformed. We're not asked just to accept certain teachings or to give a wink at the presence of God. We're asked to allow ourselves to be transformed and changed in the same way those early disciples were transformed and changed, so that we believe with our whole mind, heart, and soul the message that Jesus brings. And what is this message? Well, if you look at all that Jesus did and all that Jesus said, and you put it simply, it really is a message of life, of life. Every word that Jesus used connected with life, forgiveness, mercy, justice, compassion. He spoke of the kingdom of God. He spoke of love of God, love of neighbor, love of self, life. But even more than that, he taught people where they came from. In fact, in a radical and different way, he asked people to call God Father and took it one step further than that and even addressed God as Abba, which means Daddy. He taught folks how to live in this world, that we're here to create a life with each other, that we are brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God, that justice and peace must reign, and that all people must find a place in this world that God created. And then he focused us on the future and said we're not meant just for this life and this world, but we're on a journey to something greater and more. There is hope for tomorrow and hope for more to who we are, that when our eyes close in death, God holds out that promise of eternal life for all of us who believe. And God so desperately wants us to enter into that new dimension of who we are, yet another surprise to encounter. The gospel of life, of life. We lose sense of what life is really all about. Because we lose the ability to define it properly. And let's face it, in our world today, life issues are debated all the time. We see it almost every day. Life issues. And they're debated based on conservative opinion, liberal opinion, But you know, what it comes down to so often and so wrongly, may I state, is that it's a matter of personal choice and even at times convenient. It almost seems that the truth that we are seeking is ultimately the ability to honor personal choice that that has prevalence over something greater. And once we open that door, 
We open a door that is so difficult to close. Because when it comes to defining personal choice, the list is inexhaustible and becomes so relative. You know, last Sunday, there was a powerful, powerful line in the first reading from Jeremiah. And perhaps we even missed it because it is so simple but so profound. And Jeremiah, speaking God's word, says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Listen carefully to those words. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Our identity, who we are, the essence of my personhood, was known to God even before I entered my mother's womb. When we begin to ponder and think of that reality, it gives so much more fullness and hope and blessing to our lives. But it also tells us something else. And this is the lesson we are called to preach and bring outside here into the marketplaces and into our world that so desperately needs to hear it. The person who chooses life is not me, is not you, but only God. God is the one who chooses life. God. And so in the big picture of things, it's really never about personal choice or convenience. As we look at all of the life issues that unfold at all the time, whether it's life issues involving the womb, or life issues involving someone with disabilities, or life issues involving someone with terminal issues, or life issues involving someone who has no place to call home, or life issues involving the quality of life for the poor, or life issues involving those who live in convalescent homes and who are aged and elderly. If it always comes down to personal choice and convenience, wow. That door can open so wide and be so difficult yet to close. But yet in God's intention and design, it's always about life. And only he can be the author of life and the chooser of it. Not me, not you. And so as contemporary disciples who are called to be transformed into the image and the likeness of God, we are called to bring this message out to a world that thinks so differently than the gospel, that thinks so differently than Christ, that places a whole different value system on life and to bring that message even though it's unpopular, to bring that message even though it's difficult to do so. But it's all about the gospel of life. From the moment of conception 
to the moment of natural death, God is the chooser of life. May we find the strength, the wisdom, and the wherewithal to prepare to proclaim that very difficult but most necessary word. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.